Good morning, Skillman Church of Christ. As you can see today, I am speaking to you from the main auditorium at the building off of Skillman Street. And I must say, it is so crazy, it is so surreal to be up here because normally when I'm up here, I look out and I see all of your smiling faces. But the last time we were here in this room together was March 8th, seven weeks ago. But I must say, being up here on the stage, it makes me miss you all even more because I can just picture where you all normally sit when we gather together on Sundays. I mean, right now, right over here to the right, we have where the kids usually sit with Shaleen and the Williams family's over here on the end. The Stovall family's here. Robert Riggs is usually here in the middle, way in the, the back right where the break is. We have that amazing row, you know, Royce and Marty Thickpin, Susie Armstrong and everybody else. I gotta say, it, it truly will be a wonderful reunion. We can all get back together and see each other again. But do you remember the first few weeks of this pandemic and the stay-at-home order? I remember the first couple weeks, or well, the first days, of course there was nervousness, there was a sense of shock and disbelief and concern. But seven weeks ago, when all of this started, at the same time, it, it was something new interesting almost like an extended spring break but now that we are more than a month and a half in if you're like me some of the newness has worn off the substance of what we are missing out on is hitting closer to home the implications of what this might do to our nation economy the most vulnerable in our society is becoming more evident the realities of what our new normal will look like, it has brought with it, a, with it a sobering impact. Each morning we wake up to the news of, of more infected with the virus. We see graphs of the rapidly rising death totals both here and around the world. We hear more and more stories of people who have lost their jobs or businesses who, who businesses are suffering. We see posts about kids who, who couldn't celebrate their birthdays with friends and seniors in high school who won't be able to have their graduation and be celebrated at this time in their life. All these feelings of loss and heartache, I mean, they're real. They are valid. They are true. But here is the compelling question I want to ask today. What do we do with these feelings of pain and loss and suffering. As individuals and, and as a church, if we are to be spiritually health, healthy, what roles do these uneasy feelings have in our life? Do we sweep them under the rug? Do we deny or dismiss them? Do we run away from them and the realities of the pain and loss? Do we find ways to lessen or pacify the pain with something external so that, so that it won't hurt so bad? But what do we see in the life of Jesus? When Jesus is faced with impending pain and suffering, what does he do? It's interesting that Jesus didn't deny the pain or suffering. He didn't run away from it. He didn't avoid it. He didn't say, nah, I'm out on this one, guys. Uh, good luck, because you're on your own. But we see in Scripture that Jesus walked through it. He embraced the pain and suffering. He knew he had to fully endure Friday in order to experience Sunday. My friends, a healthy spirituality, it doesn't run away or deny or minimize 
our natural emotions and feelings. But a healthy spirituality is always honest and open about our true responses to experiences. We all know that, that things happen in life. I mean, that this is life. And because of these experiences, we may feel a certain way. But instead of denying these feelings or sweeping them under the rug, a healthy spirituality walks through these emotions. It faces them head on. It doesn't bottle up these emotions, but rather a healthy spirituality names them. It deals with them and it ultimately learns from them. There is such a thing as toxic negativity we, where we get stuck in the state of complaining and whining and bitterness. And we've all known people who have been caught up in toxic negativity. But at the same time, there is such a thing as toxic positivity where even when things are not going well or there is internal pain, People can pretend that things are great. They can proclaim that there are no problems. Toxic positivity says that everything is always sunshine and rosy and bright, even when in reality, deep down, there is insecurity, fear, and sadness. I mean, have you ever been to a funeral or a memorial service and a, and a person, a family member, is up giving a speech and start to cry and then promptly apologizes for crying Telling, I promised myself I wouldn't cry. But why do we say that? Why do we apologize? I and mean, you've just lost someone that you deeply care about. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. A healthy spirituality is honest with our emotions. And it creates space to share, to voice, and to work through these feelings. It's almost like a release valve. In the Bible... There is a book called Lamentations, and this is what it's all about. Lamentations is a release valve and an invitation for the people of Israel to express their feelings of sadness, darkness, and pain. Lamentations, it's a book in the Old Testament. It's, it's believed to have been written a little over 500 years before the birth of Christ. And Bimpe did such a great job introducing this text in the introduction. But Lamentations, it's a collection of five poems written right after the city of Jerusalem was completely demolished and destroyed by the Babylonians. The poet here is sad, is sad it's angry, it's, it's depressed, it's trying to explain what happened. I mean, Lamentation literally means why. Why would God allow this? Where is God? It's almost as if God in these pages is put on trial. The emotions are so raw and so descriptive that scholars believe that whoever wrote this was probably a survivor who wrote these words among the rubble and ruins of Jerusalem. I mean, the first verse of Lamentations, it says this, How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations, she who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. A couple of things of, of, about this particular passage in this book. First, some background. In the poems of Lamentations, throughout the, this book, there are three main characters that are in here. There is a narrator. There's also a woman. And the third character is a man. The, the man doesn't have much of a role in Lamentations. It only appears at the end, but, but he's still in there. But the narrator kicks off this poem 
and right off the bat describes the city of Jerusalem as a woman. But not just any woman. Here in the opening pages of Lamentations, the narrator says that Jerusalem is like a woman who was once great, but is now a destitute widow. Is like a queen who has now become a slave. The rich poetic language in the opening lines of Lamentations, it allows us to catch a glimpse into what has happened to Jerusalem. I mean, from a queen to a slave, these are opposite ends of the spectrum. Later, in chapter 1, in verse 15, it says this, The Lord has rejected all the warriors in my midst. He has summoned an army against me to crush my young men. In his winepress, the Lord has trampled virgin daughter Judah. This is why I weep and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me. No one to restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. Walking among the ashes and rubble of a once mighty and powerful Jerusalem, the poet here in Lamentations is heartbroken and is being honest and raw about the pain, the sadness, about what has happened and what has been truly lost. I mean, this is why I weep. My eyes overflow with tears. My children are destitute because my enemy has prevailed. The poet is, is putting words to this sadness and loss, and it's creating space for the people of Israel to mourn what was truly lost. Here at Skillman, as we start this short series on lamentations, and as we invite and provide a space to lament, this is our hope that we can allow us to lament. And, and let's be very clear, to lament is not a wine session. It's not a place to gripe or complain. I like how Kathleen Connor, uh, commentary, in a commentary, puts it. She says that lamentation names what is wrong, what is out of order in God's world, what keeps human beings from thriving in all their creative potential. Simple acts of lament expose these conditions. It names, name them, open them to grief and anger and make them visible for remedy. In its complaint, anger and grief, lamentation protests conditions that prevent human thriving and this resistance may finally prepare the way for healing. Man, that's powerful. If we want healing from pain, disappointment and loss, we must traverse through the dark waters of lament. In order to get to Sunday, we must live through Friday. So during the next few weeks here at Skillman, we want to provide space and give you a permission to, to honestly mourn, to express your sense of loss, to cry out to God why to unbottle all the things that have been suppressed deep down in the soul, not so that you can spiral down into a pit of depression, but that's, that you can be free, that we can be healthy spiritually. If we can name it, if we can work through it, if we can learn from it, then we can be free. Last week, uh, I posted a, a message on Facebook asking those willing to share what makes you sad and or causes you to mourn during this time of COVID-19 and quarantine? What has this time revealed is wrong or out of order in this world? 
that you can see uh, some of have some of you some have responded already. But I'd like to also express an invitation again for you to consider thinking about this question and in the coming days responding to that question, thinking about it, reflecting and responding. And of course, you can go on Facebook and post if you want to, but you can also be creative in your responses. As we go through this study, you're encouraged to create art or, or write something or, or draw a picture, take a photo, uh, compose a dance or drama, something that allows you to express and almost like a release valve for the feelings of loss and pain that you might be feeling from this or something earlier. Uh, this Wednesday at 5.30, we're going to have a Facebook Live and we want to invite you to come on. And uh, we're going to talk about this some more. We're going to ask questions and engage online and hopefully create a space for people to share their feelings of lament. Our hope is that we can name it to call it out so that we can work through it. This study will move us into a season our season here at the church of advocating hope because one of my favorite quotes by Augustine says this hope has two beautiful daughters their names are anger and courage anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are this time we are going to flush out all the things that potentially can make us angry and sad not to mellow or get stuck but that so that we can muster up the courage to see that they do not remain as they are. This will lead to hope. This will lead us to a place of, 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 of amazing peace. Hopefully, uh, to close us out today and to lead us into the week and give us a prayer for courage is Elder Royce Prude. And he at this time will close out our service today with a shepherd's blessing, encouraging us to be courageous in the midst of this journey that we are all taking to deep, reach deep into our soul, to pull out these emotions and feelings and potential areas of loss and grief. And together, we as a community will walk through this time of heartbreak into a season of hope.